Hello, this is Sandra Hindman, founder and president of Les Enlumineurs. We specialize in manuscripts, miniatures, historic jewelry, and other small-scale works of art from the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Welcome, and please enjoy today's podcast. Hello again, everyone. This is Kristen Racanello again. I'm the producer and sometimes occasional host of this podcast. Last week, founder and president Sandra Hindman discussed iconographic rings with you. And today I'm going to follow up that episode and lead us into an exciting interview next week by trying to answer an unusual jewelry question. That is, did medieval people actually wear relics? Well, the simple answer is yes, they did. <laughs> but how and why are much more complicated and interesting questions to answer. In speaking about this topic, I'm of course very much indebted to the work of two spectacular scholars, and first and foremost is our founder, Sandra Hindman, who is an expert on medieval jewelry among many, many other talents, and of course my dissertation supervisor, Dr. Cynthia Hahn, who's a leading expert on the history and function of medieval reliquaries, and who's also currently working on a project covering the history of medieval jewelry. Relics are sacred materials, usually a fragment of the body of a holy person such as bone or hair, or an object that person came in contact with, such as their clothing. A reliquary is, very simply, a container for these relics. So while we are asking if medieval people wore relics, really the question is, did medieval people wear reliquaries? Reliquaries were normally encountered in churches, shrines, or even on special occasions in procession, perhaps on the battlefield, or the sick might even have been blessed with a very special home visit from a priest with a portable altar. The format and appearance of reliquaries changed vastly over the medieval period, but consistently engage in tactics of concealing and revealing their interior contents. It is a method of presentation, a, quote, gift box, as Cynthia Hahn put it in her book, The Reliquary Effect. The reliquary is nearly invisible to believers in the presence of a relic. In fact, it becomes like the relic. The reliquary fades backward, yet also, in a sense, becomes the relic. It is the container and the contact point for the relic within it. So, how do the dynamics of the reliquary change when worn in contact with a living human body rather than displayed inside of a shrine? Well, wearable medieval reliquaries often utilize the same materiality and mechanics as large-scale shrine reliquaries. These were delicate, intimate objects intended as healing touchstones that adorned a medieval owner's breast, chest, clothing, or even fingers in the form of rings. Often, these objects exploited the magic of potent and powerful gemstones, objects that were thought to protect or heal the wearer or consumer. Medieval interest in gemstones never wavered, but there was an almost intellectual revival of interest in stone properties in the late 11th and 12th century, culminating with the production of Marbot of Rennes' Liber de Lapidibus, a manuscript compendium of mythological gem lore the first of its kind be written in medieval Europe. 
Marbod based his lapidary text on, primarily, Pliny and Isidore of Seville, along with a combination of other ancient Greek sources, received mostly through translations by Ibn Sina. This is a fascinating document full of wonderful stories about stones and their properties, which we'll touch on again shortly, and which I'm sure we will discuss further in future episodes. So, while preparing for this podcast, I did a simple Google search for the words pendant reliquary, and the first hit, interestingly enough, is also the first example cited in the book Meaningful Jewels, the major collaborative project between Les Saint-Numineurs and, you guessed it, Cynthia Hahn. The next hit was an article in the Treasures of Heaven project featuring a 16th century Byzantine pendant reliquary with gold, amethyst, emeralds, and precious stones. The Treasures of Heaven project is a really excellent resource for anyone interested in reliquaries, saints, or shrines. To return to this pendant reliquary that first appeared in my Google search, at least algorithmically, this amethyst pendant reliquary at the British Museum is the most famous pendant reliquary to date. This is a French jewel, a small pendant reliquary containing a splinter of the true cross. From the exterior, the work does not betray its status as a reliquary, but instead appears to be an exquisite piece of jewelry featuring a large kidney-shaped cabochon amethyst set in gold. The shape of the pendant conforms to the shape of this polished amethyst, in a way further obscuring its identity as a reliquary. Interestingly, in late medieval and early modern lapidary lore, Amethyst was ascribed the power to recover from drunkenness, although this was specifically refuted by Pliny. It does seem this is likely a case of sympathetic association between the physical attributes of a stone and its ability to act in the world, meaning that it participated in what we would call today sympathetic magic. In this case, amethyst is a wine-colored stone, and hence a salve for drunkenness. But aside from healing and medicinal properties attached to it, amethyst had great spiritual significance to Christians because it is the final foundation stone of the heavenly Jerusalem, as described by John in Revelations. On careful observation, you might also notice that there are hinges and a clasp to this piece. This is an opening pendant. Within, we find a series of visions, or revelations, as Dr. Hahn calls them. There are a series of enamel images and even a final painted piece of parchment, all of which are stacked and hinged like pages in a book. The parchment leaf, however, can be removed entirely from the pendant, exposing a secret compartment. There, securely placed beneath a piece of rock crystal and set with a golden crown, is a relic of the true cross. These glittering jewel tone enamels and parchment painting recall other objects of personal devotion, like Books of Hours. The images are didactic and intended to structure, commemorate, and reinforce thoughts, prayers, and devotional actions. This is a personal object, an elaborate experience intended for one user and perhaps an intimate audience with whom the wearer shared the sacred object's hidden layers. 
This pendant was both devotional and luxurious, signaling its protective powers, but also the owner's identity as religious, royal, and French. In this reliquary pendant, we can see a strong link between wearable amulets and charms and reliquaries. Indeed, the medieval body, and particularly the skin, was a permeable site where both good and evil was believed to easily enter. Thus, it was a boundary that needed and required protecting, a belief generating many fascinating objects, including wearable reliquaries. Another driving force behind the wearable reliquary was the desire for closeness and for protection, not of the wearer, but of the relic itself. Relics were highly desirable objects, often stolen or even sold on underground markets. Owning a relic, especially a relic of Christ, like this pendant of the True Cross, invited real fear and paranoia of burglary. Thus, the relic on the body both protected that body and the body of the wearer protected the relic from harm or theft. It is difficult to determine the point when reliquaries became portable, wearable objects. A desire for contact and closeness with the holy was always present among medieval people. And in the late antique period, we have many stories of pilgrims eating the dirt, stones, and oil from shrines, chipping off pieces of sarcophagi, and creating small containers for bits of shrine sites and possibly even relics which they took away with them on return to their homelands. Most extant jewelry reliquaries are from the high medieval to the early modern periods. At Les Enluminures, we currently have a uniquely designed rock crystal pendant reliquary with a fascinating central column. This was made in the 16th century in either France or Italy. It is associated with Mary Magdalene and replicates the imagery found on the tabernacle column below her reliquary in the Basilica of St. Maximin in southern France. Despite its unusual design, this reliquary pendant is typical in many other respects. It is hinged, suggesting regulated accessibility. It's made from precious materials that both conceal and reveal the relics it contains, and it has didactic images connected to the saint's shrine. Wearable reliquaries were not only pendants, although that was a popular late Gothic form, they could be incorporated into rings, necklaces, or even belts. For example, a spectacular reliquary ring is known from the Thame Hoard, and it now resides at the Ashmolean Museum. It is set with a red amethyst in the shape of a double-armed cross, which was sometimes referred to as a Jerusalem cross or even a crusader cross for its association with Byzantium and Jerusalem. It once contained a holy relic, likely of the true cross. It is engraved on the back with the crucifixion and is inscribed in Latin, Remember me, O Lord. We return to the question of how the dynamics of the reliquary change when worn in contact with a living human body. Rings and pendants rest on the surface of the body, nestled against the chest or wrapped around a finger. These are protective areas of the body, zones in need of protection, but also zones capable of protecting. Medieval pendant reliquaries would be worn under the clothing, next to and in contact with the skin. Generally, these objects are kept out of sight, except when actively in use by the wearer. 
When in use, opened and examined, the reliquary stimulated pleasure through the images and luxurious materials, and likely also provided comfort in that this was understood to be a direct line of communication between the owner of the pendant reliquary and the holy figure associated with the relic. So in the case of the true cross, this was a direct line of communication with Christ. By private possession and ownership of a reliquary, that relic entered a new context. It became a personal channel between earthly and heavenly worlds. Removed from the institution of the church, the relic transitioned from a somewhat public use to private hands. Yet the format of the private reliquary remained, in many ways, a miniaturized version of the reliquaries encountered in great cathedrals. It employed intricate and masterful artists, working in a variety of luxurious materials with amulytic, medicinal, and spiritually significant properties. These reliquaries concealed and revealed their contents with layers of these charged materials like rock crystal, gold, enamel, narrative and didactic iconography, and precious stones. When worn on the body, however, a further layer was added. The reliquary existed in the space between skin and cloth, wrapped in the very materials that composed the relics within the reliquary. In this context, the reliquary transformed the body into a site of contact with the holy. It became a sacred space, an additional protective and simultaneously revealing layer added to the reliquary. So yes, medieval people did indeed wear relics concealed and revealed within jewelry. This trend reflects a deep cultural desire for physical contact with the holy, for sacred communication with the divine, and for close protection from harm. Again, the main source for this episode is the book Meaningful Jewels by Cynthia Hahn, which also includes a wonderful catalog by Beatrice Shador Sampson. Be sure to look out also for Dr. Han's forthcoming book on medieval jewelry, which I'm positive will illuminate the topic discussed today. If you're looking for further information, I've also included links to a few relevant sources in the show notes below. Next week, we have a very exciting guest, Dr. Catherine Rudy. Sandra Hindman will sit down with Dr. Rudy to discuss touching, kissing, and tracing traces of life in medieval manuscripts. Dr. Rudy has a few very interesting projects that you can check out right now. One of them, I just watched last night, is a quite entertaining lecture Dr. Rudy recently gave called Let It Fake Bleed, Medieval Objects and Vegan Meat Substitutes, which you can find on YouTube. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode's topic. Do you have a question about wearing relics or reliquaries or an idea for an episode? Let us know. You can find out more about manuscripts and their production, as well as reach out with comments and questions through our social media at Listenier. You can also visit our website or order one of our many catalogs. Again, the New York Antiquarian Book Fair unfortunately has been canceled this September and moved now to April of 2022 due to tightening COVID restrictions in New York City. So we hope to see you there in the spring. And for now, I look forward to hearing from you virtually. Thanks for listening.